All right, all right, all right. Hey, how's everybody doing today? All right, good. Hey, some of y'all are awake. Hey, listen, I don't know if you saw this in the video, but it flashed up the words, a quick reminder. See, the thing is, when Matt begins each Sunday, he has the privilege of saying, you know what, last week we talked about this, and so today we're going to pick up right where we left off. And well, here's the thing. Well, almost two years ago, all right, almost two years ago, we were walking through the gospel of Mark, and we were looking at what happens when Jesus shows up. And so today, man, we're going to continue that journey, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. So if you can, go ahead and flip there, scroll there, tap your way there, but get there, and we're going to start reading in verse 24. But first things first, man, in verse 21, it talks about how Jesus got off the boat, and he went back to the other side of the lake, and when he got to the other side, he stepped on the shore, and there was a huge crowd all around him, all right? You know, two years ago, we talked about when Jesus shows up, people show up. And when Jesus shows up, man, because of those people, problems show up. But when Jesus shows up, power shows up. And so here's the thing. People understood that. In fact, a guy from the local synagogue named Jairus, he arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he came and he fell down at his feet and he was pleading with him. He said, Savior, Jesus, please, my daughter is sick. Man, my daughter is dying. Please come and touch her. Please heal her, knowing that Christ was our only hope. And here's the thing. We pick up in verse 24, and listen to what it says. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. We mentioned that it was crowded, right? Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she owned to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him and threw the crowd and touched his robe. Verse 28, for she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29, man, it gets good. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? But verse 32, he says, he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the frightened woman, trembling and realizing what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith, has made you will. well. Go in peace, and your suffering is over. If you can, pray with me. And as you bow your head and join me in prayer, we're going to pray for three things, all right? Number one, we're going to pray that God would speak loud and clear in this building today. Man, we pray that God will speak loud and clear in your hearts today. And number two, we're going to pray that he would help us hear that message that he's speaking. And number three, we're going to pray, let our lives be changed. Let's pray those three things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much 
for this day. God, thank you so much for this body of believers that's here today. And God, I pray that as we press into what your word says in Mark chapter 5, God, we pray three things. God, we're not out on an island, but instead we're praying this as a body of believers together right now in unison. God, please speak loud and clear. God, man, I am so hard of hearing. Ask my wife. God, I have selective hearing when it comes to things that I want to choose to hear. God, let none of that get in the way today. God, secondly, let us hear that message that you have. Holy Spirit, ready our hearts. Speak that message in a way that only you can that's right for each individual that's in this room today. And God, thirdly, man, we pray that our lives would be changed because of your truth. God, don't let us leave here the same. God, don't let us just show up, even if we showed up just to do church. God, even if we just showed up because somebody invited us. God, even if we just showed up because it's the closest you know, church built into our house. God, even if we showed up, because that's what we've been doing since we've been born. God, today, let us show up today. Speak loud. Let us hear your message and let it change our lives. Let us go out to the community and share your message. Let us sharpen each other with your message. We pray this today. Amen. All right. Hey, I got to get something just like, I got to get it off my chest. I got to put this right out in the open, just right off the bat, and this is what it is. I want to be good at fixing things. I do. That's that's like, man, if somebody said, Justin, your birthday's coming up on October 25th, right there. But, but, But your birthday's coming up, man. If you could ask for anything, what would you ask for? Hey, you know what? If it's anything, I want to be good at fixing things. I really do. I want to prove to my wife that I can actually fix things. When they break around the house, man, she doesn't have to call her parents. She doesn't have to call, you know, somebody in the yellow pages. She just got to call me, and I just got to show up, and I got to be able to fix things. Seriously, just ask the money boys. Man, up here at church, whether it's using the router for the first time, right, whether it's getting to shoot a nail gun, right, Matthew? Remember that a couple weeks ago? Man, whether it's spraying texture on a wall or climbing into this scary lift. If y'all don't realize, those light bulbs are really high, all right? And there's a lift that'll get you there, and it's got a weight limit on it, and I'm not going to tell you how close I get to that weight limit, but I still got up there, and oh, man, I was scared. Or whether it's using a 22 bullet, I didn't even know you could do this, but you stick it in something that looks like a jacked up, like, hammer slash screwdriver, and bam, you shoot it, and it makes a nail go into the concrete. Whether it's doing any of those things, ask the money boys. Ask Jay. Man, the very first thing I say is, hold up, wait a minute, grab my cell phone, take a picture, because I got to text this to my wife. Like, I got to show her that I'm doing something. This is awesome. Man, uh, I wanted to just add a wall in our house for no reason. Why? So I could shoot those bullets and hit that, you know, just, man, it was awesome. It was cool. But that's what I want to do. I want to be a Mr. Fix-It. I want to be a Zach Potts, a Ken Johnson, a Tom McAllister, a Jay Beauchart. Man, I'd even be happy with being like the Disney Channel's version of Handy Manny, all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's bilingual and his tools help him so much, you know? Like, I want to, I want to learn how to fix things. But as my wife can tell you, the reason why we call our parents, the reason why we get into the yellow pages and call the professionals is because more times than not, When I try to fix something, 
it doesn't get fixed. In fact, it only gets worse. Man, I can even take something as simple as a stain on my shirt. That happens a lot, you know. Like I go home for lunch, I come back, and, she, and, and you know, Miss Carolyn's like, oh, man, you changed. Uh, well, I spilled lunch all over me, all right. Uh, but, but I can take something as simple as a stain on my shirt, and, and, and I know the saying. If y'all don't know the saying, right, you know, here it is. Patting conceals and rubbing reveals, all right? But, but, but that just rhymes because that's all it does because it's not true, all right? Because, man, even though I can do that little technique, yeah, right, I can dab it, I can blot it, I can pat it, but that stain's not going away. In fact, it's just getting bigger and it's getting worse, all right? And so, man, man there's a lot of us in this room, you know, that, that we kind of have this same type of thing going on in our lives. Here's the thing. Man, I'm here to tell you that today that, man, you're going to have problems in your life. It's inevitable. And what's worse is sometimes we actually think we can fix our problems. And, man, uh, when we try to fix our problems— they only get worse. And, and man, I could make a long list, but here's the thing. I'm just going to cut to the chase because, man, all of us have a massive problem in our lives, and that problem is sin. Man, it's a common issue with everybody. In fact, everyone is sin. Man, we fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all missed the mark. And when sin comes into our lives, and for some of us, we think, hey, sin's here. How can I fix this? Man, what can I do to fix this problem? Man, that's dangerous. Man, some of us, we think by doing good is the solution to sin, and that's not truth. Man, on a weekly basis, on Tuesday afternoon, I have an opportunity to meet with people in the community through our benevolence, uh, you know, ministry. And here's the thing. Week after week after week, man, I meet with people, and they believe that the more good you can do, the better chance you have to go to heaven. And that's so false. So false. I mean, it's not what we can do. It's not about what we can do. Instead, it's all about what Jesus did. Do y'all agree with that? Here's the thing. All right, come on, wake up. Here's the thing. All right, uh, when writing to the church of Corinth, all right, the apostle Paul writes in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians, he says this right here to the church of Corinth. He says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Here's the thing. In that verse, Paul explains that Jesus became sin so we could become more like him. I mean, he became you. He became sin so we could become him righteous. And so here we are in Mark 5. And we have this woman with this issue of blood. And this woman, she was in desperate, desperate condition. In fact, man, uh, her condition made her ceremonially and socially unclean. And this would be, man, think about how hard this would be to deal with this for a week. But she was dealing with this for year after year after year. Actually, the scripture says for 12 years. Man, she's tried everything, and, and, and everything that she's done, she's, she's went to people, she's went to doctors, she's tried these different things, and, and nothing's worked. In fact, not only has it gotten worse, but man, she's become broken. Luke, you know, coming from a, a, a physician's perspective, man, he talks about how all the medical bills have basically drained her life's income. She spent everything in search for a cause. 
But now she has this moment of opportunity. See, she understands that Jesus is coming to her town, and she understands, like we've sang it before, Jesus is the healer. Man, he's the answer to her problems. But think about how this all plays out. Think about the voices that are probably going on in her head right now in this situation where she has this ailment. She understands that Jesus is the one who can heal the problem. But just like all of us, excuses start to come up. Man, we don't chase after Jesus because we allow excuses to get in the way. Man, we say things like, well, that's the kind of house I grew up in, or, or my parents are like this, they've always been, or man, if they knew the real me, then there's no way, and we just rattle off, man, like, hey, I gave this away way too soon, and man, there's no way that he could forgive me, and man, I can't speak out loud, not in front of others. I mean, excuse after excuse after excuse. Man, for context, Leviticus 15 explains that according to the Jewish ideas of the time, this woman, if she touched anyone, she also made them ceremonially unclean as well. And her uncleanness, man, that, that would not even allow her to take part of any aspect of Israel's worship. Man, here's the thing. By the very law of her own people, she was divorced from her husband. Man, she could not live in her home. She was ostracized from all society, and, and, and she must not be able to come in contact with anybody, old friends, her family. Man, she was basically excommunicated from the services of the synagogue as well. That, thus, man, she couldn't even go to the women's courts in the temple. Man, this woman was a social outcast. She was seen as unclean. She was isolated and ostracized. And yet, she sees this crowd. And she understands that Christ is making his way through this crowd. And she thinks about all of those obstacles to get to Jesus. Man, my uncleanness is going to become their uncleanness. Man, if I touch Jesus now, what does that do? Is he now unclean? Man, she has all these going on in her head. And here's the thing. There's some of us that we're almost in the same boat. Man, we might not have her sickness, but we have that sickness that I talked about earlier. And we have that sin that's in our life. And because of sin, we think that it's going to affect other people, and it can. But, but sometimes we don't lead out or we don't step out to do something for Jesus. Instead, man, we totally forget that in the Bible, man, God uses imperfect people to do something amazing. So that way when it's accomplished, people don't look at that person. They know that it's an act of God. There's no other explanation. Here's the thing. If you feel like you don't have it together— Man, if you're today and you feel like there's no way that God can do something through you, or you feel like you don't have the right words, or, or like your testimony is not interesting enough, or you're on the flip side and your testimony is way too bad for, for, for to like work that in a conversation, guess what? Jesus wants to use you. Jesus wants to use you in this generation. He wants to use you in this city that we live in. Man, he wants to use you in this body of believers that's represented today. Man, this girl's hurt was so bad. Her desperation was so great. Her condition was so harsh. 
she didn't even care about the obstacles. Man, she had been up against the wall for so long that now she knew she had to seize the opportunity that was in front of her. In fact, there was nothing going to get in the way. There was nothing that was going to stop her from getting to Jesus, man, no matter what. And so when Jesus shows up, man, it's not about you. When Jesus shows up, it's not about us. It's not about how we can touch other people by what God is doing in our life. In fact, man, it's about how God can touch other people about what he's doing through our life. God has this unique ability to take your mess and reshape it and turn it into his message. And so, man, it's unbelievable. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. And so I want to try to challenge you with three quick things from today's scripture. So if you want to jot this down, you can, but it'll be up on the screen. Number one, when Jesus shows up, there is an expectation, all right? When Jesus shows up, there is an expectation, good or bad. Listen to verse 27 of Mark chapter 5. We'll reread it. It says, she had heard about Jesus And so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. When Jesus shows up, there is an expectation. See, the church is full of expectations, though. And here's the thing. Sometimes we have the wrong expectations. I'm not talking about an expectation of the service or an expectation of the band or an expectation of the style of music but I'm talking about an expectation of what God is capable of doing. I'm talking about an expectation about what God is going to do. That's what kind of expectation I'm talking about right here. Man, what I love about this woman is that this woman, she didn't even come and talk to Jesus. Man, she didn't sit down and look at Jesus face to face. She took God out of the box. She realized that Jesus' power is so big. She did not worry about what all had happened to her in the past. Man, she wasn't worried about where she had been, but she was focused on who was right there, and that was Christ. She wasn't worried about how God moved last year. She wasn't worried about how God moved 40 years ago at Falls Creek. Man, she wasn't worried about how God moved a long time ago when we had a particular pastor and we met in a particular building somewhere else. She wasn't worried about those things. Man, she just thought that if I can touch his clothes, man, she said, if I can just go touch him, My God is bigger. My God is greater. Man, my God is stronger than the sum of what I'm going through. See, when Jesus shows up, there's an expectation. Secondly, I want to challenge you with this. When Jesus shows up, there will be a declaration. When Jesus shows up, there will be a declaration. In verse 28, of Mark chapter 5, the very next verse, it says, For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Listen to this. Man, it's easy to like put this woman in a category. You know, they did. 
They, they said, man, you can't be around us. Man, you can't have any type of social interaction with anybody, your family, with strangers. Man, we're going to put you over here on an island where you won't make anybody else, uh, you know, come to your uh, sickness that you have. Here's the thing. It's easy to put her in a box. It's easy to say, man, this girl's so crazy. This girl's so sick. Man, this girl is so out of control. She's talking to herself. But here's the thing. Don't get it twisted, please. Pay attention to the faith that she displays in that moment. Man, her thought was, I will be healed. See, if I can just go touch his clothes, her thought wasn't, hey, this might work. Man, I might be healed. No, she said, I will be healed. She didn't think about it for a minute. She didn't stop everything and make sure she had a quiet time for the day, all right? She, she didn't say, man, okay, wait a minute, before I approach Christ, man, I know I got to stop watching this or I got to stop listening to this. Man, we don't even hear anything about her relationship with God. We don't even know if she was trying to live right. We just know that she was sick, and we know that she had faith. Now, you know what? There's a lot of times, unfortunately, that we have more faith in Starbucks than we do in our God. Man, uh, the moment that we go to Starbucks and we spout out that Starbucks and these and we order that drink that we want, we don't sit down and have a quiet time. We don't sit down and stop everything and pray that they get it just right. No. As soon as we stumble through our order trying to use words that we'll never use again unless we're at Starbucks, Man, as soon as we say those words that if we were to type them into a computer, they would definitely get that red line underneath them because they're like made up by whoever made up Starbucks, okay? Man, here's the thing. As soon as we say those words, as soon as we order, and we don't like panic and think that, oh man, I hope they get everything right. Man, we trust that that barista will make it exactly like we want it. Man, we're sitting there, we're watching him. We understand that she or him, man, they're trained in, like, the ways of, like, I don't know, like the Jedis and and Starbucks and all that stuff, and they're going to make it happen. But here's the thing. When we pray to God, see, sometimes we forget that, man, we don't always see him working. And and, and because of that, man, we we sometimes lack that faith that we need, and and, and you got to know that Jesus is going to answer your prayers Man, here's my prayer. I pray that we become a generation like Matt read in the Scripture, a generation that it says in Psalms 24 that's willing to turn our eyes from the evil things of the world. Instead, become a generation that seeks his faith. Man, I pray that we become a generation of declaration. Man, I pray that we start becoming a generation that prays psalms. Man, that we read the book of Psalms and, and we let the truth that's found in that book, man, be the foundation of our prayers. We, we pray scripture. Man, I pray that, that we would be a generation of declaration. Let's become a generation that's less concerned if we're actually holding a hymnal and more concerned if, if we're actually meaning the words that we're singing. Man, my friend C-Lev, uh, he took to Facebook and he posted an article on there and, and this past week, and Ed brought it to my attention. And man, 
as we read that together in my office, man, it wrecked me. Man, that article wrecked me. Man, it's, it's not something new, but it's a new challenge. It's, 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 it's something that is not brand new, but it's a challenge that we need to be reminded of every time before we worship our Heavenly Father. Man, it had to do with that song that Sarah and Sebastian led us in this morning as people were walking in, as you were finding your seat. Man, those two, they knocked it out of the park, and they did a great job, and, and they took that song, and they ministered to us. That song was called Oceans. In that bridge of the song, it says these words. It says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters whenever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander, that my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Man, Ed and I, we were reading this article, and we both looked at each other. We, we, we liked that song, and I've sung those words. I've jammed out to that song in my office using Spotify. Or, uh, I've jammed out, you know, at the red light in my car on the radio. But did I really mean those words that I was saying? Do we mean them? Man, are we just doing lip service? when we're worshiping, are we really declaring for God to do those things? Man, as you sing and you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you where your trust is without borders, do we mean that? Because if we mean that, it could mean like giving money away, or it could mean like being like kind to the mom that nobody else is willing to talk to at soccer practice. I mean, it could mean like going and choosing to foster children even when we don't think that we're qualified Man, it could mean standing up for your faith in your neighborhood, even when your neighbor makes fun of Christians. It could mean moving to a foreign country, a less affluent neighborhood, or just being challenged to move to a different table at school. Man, by singing those things, you are declaring and asking that God would take you to where your faith has no borders to where your trust has no borders. Man, do we mean that? You know, if you leave your borders, man, you're talking about leaving economic borders, social borders, geographical borders, religious borders, racial borders. Man, nothing in those two lines of lyrics is going to make you feel comfortable when you're actually living that out. And so, man, we were talking about how many times do we find ourselves singing songs that are making declarations to God, and, and we got our hands up, and, man, we're, like, overflowing with energy, but yet when God actually calls us into, man, putting that stuff into action during the week, we're like, no, wait a minute. See, that's a good song, but I don't know if I really want to live that out with my life. How do we pray? Man, Ed was saying that, man, he stopped praying this prayer for his children that said, God, keep them safe. God, make them a success. God, bless them. Man, we all pray those things. But he said, man, why would I pray those things instead? Man, I, I want to declare, I want to put out this declaration, God, use them. God, let them know you. God, let my children make your name known. And maybe we need to change the way that we sing. Maybe we need to change the way that we pray. Man, 
Maybe we need to be willing to just step up and declare God's truth. Man, in this, this lady's life right here, man, even though her faith had elements of, of error or superstition, she believed in the healing power of Jesus. And the border of his garment served as the point of contact for her faith. And there are many things that we can find wrong about the woman's faith, but more than anything, let's latch on to her faith was in Jesus. Man, the third thing that we want to challenge you today is this right here. When Jesus shows up, man, there will be an action. Man, when Jesus shows up, there will be an action. This very sick woman, like we said, man, struggled with this sickness for 12 years. She's an outcast. Man, she begins pushing her way through the crowd, through the crowd that she's not supposed to be in contact with. This is huge. See, some of us, we have this hope, and and, and the hope is great, but that's where it stops. Man, man, we have this hope in Christ, but, but it never takes any action. Man, we never put any feet to our faith, and we just stop right there. Man, we're willing to think about it. We might even declare it, but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, man, we don't take any action. Man, I, I, we might say, I want to see my coworkers accept Christ. I want to see my whole band at school accept Christ. I want my football team to accept Christ. I want my family to accept Christ. But when we come down to the moment that God has placed us in, we freeze up. When he opens up the door, we either close it or we choose not to walk through it. I mean, here's the thing. This woman had a vision of what God could do. She declared it, she let it be known, and then she started moving in that direction. She took action. And and, and what is, like, think about if she never even touched Christ. Think about if she just said, but man, remember that list we talked about earlier? There's no reason I should even be here at this moment. Man, I I don't want to be that person that has to say what if. Man, are you scared of the vision that God has for you, are you willing to let it take action? Man, let's look at verse 29. It says this right here. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that her healing power had gone out from him. So we turned around into the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, all this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? That was his question. Who touched me? And we don't hear in that instance on the way for him to heal Jairus' daughter. We, we don't hear of anybody else getting healed. He wasn't like bumping into people and like saying, yeah, what's up? You're going to thank me for that later, all right? Uh, man, there, there's a huge difference between bumping into Jesus here and, and, and actually reaching out to touch him in faith. See, you can come to church week after week after week and bump into Jesus, but it's not the same as reaching out to touch him in your faith. Man, Augustine said this a long time ago, flesh presses, but faith touches. He can always distinguish between the jostle of a curious mob and the agonized touch of a needy soul. Man, this woman touched him with her faith. 
Man, with her faith, she lunged out and she touched, not even him, missed him, got his clothes. It's amazing. Man, she had an expectation of what God was going to make happen. She, she, she made this declaration, and she had faith that God was going to move and, and, and put into action and make it take place. Man, from the inside out, she was changed. She was healed. And so here's what I want to ask you today. Man, as the band leaves their seats and they make their way back to the stage, man, I'd like to extend the opportunity for you maybe to just reflect on what the Spirit has said to you today. Man, maybe you just have a seat during the song and you spend time in prayer reflecting on what the Spirit has challenged you with. Man, I also want to give you an opportunity to, to, to come forward and take action in that faith. Man, as I sit here and I wonder about people who are in this room, I wonder about myself, man, I wonder if there's someone here today that needs God to move in your life. Man, you need to be healed of the conditions of your sin and in your life. Man, you need to be healed from that sin through the forgiveness of Christ. Here's my challenge. Believers or unbelievers, it's a new day. Today's a new day. Stop looking, you know, in the past, man. It's time to start looking to the future. It's time to look forward. But even with everything that God has blessed us with, man, it's so hard still not to get focused on the regrets, on the failures in our lives, and on the sin in our lives. Man, we hear all these familiar voices saying, like, man, I can't get my life together. I can't even get a job. Man, we hear these voices saying, I'm always going to be addicted to this. Man, I have been, and nothing's going to change. Man, we hear these voices saying, there is no way that God could forgive you for what you've done. Man, my challenge is that we never forget his grace. Man, in Romans 5a, it says, and while you were sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I pray that we would never forget his grace, and I pray that we would never forget his promise. Man, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, man, it says, you are not your mistakes. Man, you're not your parents. You're not your pain. You're not your addiction. You're not your failures. You are not your sin. But instead, you are God's beloved. You are God's adopted. You are God's son. You are accepted. You are cleansed. In that verse, it says, you are a new creation. Man, let's celebrate that today. If you can, bow your heads with me. Let me pray for us.